Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you. If you could turn to your Bibles today to Matthew chapter 24. Hallelujah, Jesus. Matthew 24. And by the way, for the altar call, can we play that, that song that I just, I was crying, weeping in that awesome wonder, too, whatever. Whatever that one is, I've never heard it before. I, I just was weeping. Like, I was like, what is going on here? What a beautiful, beautiful song. I just, whew, oh, my God. So I want that for the altar call. <laughs> it was so right on, my Jesus. He's such an awesome ruler. Amen. He's such an awesome healer. Come on, you can rejoice in the house of God. We, we cry a lot, and, the, and it's good to rejoice. It's good to be in the house of God. It's good to smile. We are in the house of God. I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the, in the, of the Lord than be a, in the tents of wickedness. Better is one day in your course than thousands elsewhere. It's good to be in fellowship with other believers. We are a family. Amen. I want to talk to you uh, today, uh, really, uh, I'm going to continue a little bit what we left off yesterday, but I'm going to uh, make it really general. But I, I believe what is a prophetic sign for the end times. Now, before you look at me real weird, uh, I'm not going to uh, talk about the experts uh, of theology this morning. But I am going to tell you one of the conditions of the end times, which you probably, many of us, have looked at things when it regards to inner healing, when it regards to getting free. A lot of us, we always look at end times with catastrophic events, which is true, and all these things that are going to happen, and the nations uh, warring against each other. But I want to open your eyes to something that you have read many times before. Isn't it funny that some of the deepest things in the Bible is actually the simplest things? So I, I believe a lot of people in the church are looking for the next heavy revy, but the next heavy revy is love your neighbor. Next heavy revery is love God as you love your, you know, your neighbor. And, 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 and God wants to bring back the, you know, there's a scripture in Corinthians that says, I am, I am concerned, Paul said, that through the craftiness of the devil, that your minds be tricked from the simplicity that is in Christ. The gospel is simple, and we make it hard. And I'm here to tell you right now, I was meditating this morning, many of you are probably going to heard a lot of the lingo that I'm going to say today. But the gospel message is still the same. The gospel message is still the same 2,000 years ago. And God, what my goal is when I travel all over the nation is my goal is to get strong, people strong in the inner man. One of the greatest apostolic prayers that Paul ever prayed is in Ephesians. He says that I pray that you would be strengthened in might and power in the inner man. Because the inner man, if, you're, if the inner man's strong, everything else is strong. You have to get healed in the inner man. And a lot of times, and I'm going to say this lovingly, sometimes a lot of knowledge could actually uh, stop you from receiving. Because knowledge is good, but knowledge also puffs up. So we have to be careful with a lot of knowledge because some people in the body of Christ have been so knowledgeable at the expense of obedience. Oh, my God. And you have to realize that sometimes that you have got to get into a place where you have to be like a child again to enter into the kingdom of heaven. In your mind and in your heart. That's how you receive healing, by the way. A little secret. When you become uh, desperate and don't care. Let me tell you something real quick before I read this message. Today and every day of your life, if you really want freedom, it determines your hunger level and your desperation level. And one thing that I find about desperate people and hungry people is they don't care how they look. 
I mean, mascara could be coming down their eyes and boogers be coming down their nose and spit be coming out, and they don't care. All the people be like, oh, how, how dare he? You know what? They did the same with David. He goes, I don't care. I'm not dancing for you anyways. Look how he's all undignified. It don't matter. I'm going to get my healing. You know, when Bartimaeus was blind, you know what he did? Everybody was trying to, everybody's okay when you're silent. But when, the moment you get desperate, I mean, I could almost imagine this blind Bartimaeus saying, what, Jesus is here? Get away from me. He took off his clothes. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And, and the Bible says that they began to, to silence him. Isn't it funny that you don't get silence until you start crying out for true freedom? The enemy will always say, well, that's just too extravagant now. That's, stop, don't, don't do that now. That's just a little bit, all that's emotions. Well, God uses emotions, praise God. I mean, if, you're, if your son is going out of the street and you see a, a Mack truck coming, you're not going to say, son, come hither. You're going to be like, son, come over here. You're going to use your emotions. And don't say that's carnal just because you use your emotions. Now, sometimes that is, but let me tell you. God wants a desperate people. He's not looking for a whole bunch of degrees. He's looking at the level of your hunger. Your level of hunger will actually accelerate something that was maybe supposed to be given to you later. Now, you say, how do you know that? The Seraphonician woman was not supposed to get her healing then. She said, it's not good for, for me to give you what it's supposed to be for the children to the dogs. She goes, I know that. But even the dogs, come on. Even the little dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. She goes, you know what? You know what? For that saying, go ahead and be, be, be well. Your daughter is made well. What was supposed to be given later, her hunger level accelerated God's answer. So you need to be hungry today. And sometimes it's not just for you. You need to be hungry for other people. Because as you stand in the gap, God will actually use your standing in the gap to heal somebody else. I was in a service uh, several years ago, and I couldn't believe this. This defied my logic. I had people stand in the gap for their family members that wasn't there. And this one kid stood in the gap for his, uh, his nephew that had, who was one years old, had a hole in his heart. I'm not, I'm not lying to you. I prayed for him as he stood in the gap as if that boy was that little kid. And I prayed for him, and I forgot about it. Two weeks later, he called me in crying several years. He goes, I just want to let you know, Pastor, that the doctor looked at it, and there is no hole in his heart. So today, I want you to not just receive this word for you, but I want you to receive it for your family. Can I hear an amen? amen. Matthew chapter 24. We're going to start at verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and at the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my sake. Now, look at me for a second before I get to the next verse. We've all heard that, haven't we? We've heard uh, times and it's come times. And by the way, just let me put a little nugget in here. We are living closer to the Lord's return than ever before. 
it, it, just look at the way that our government is leading our, our, our nation. Just look at all the things that they're allowing with abortion and all these things. My beloved, it's time to get ready. It's time to get ready. Now, we've heard all that, right? But I want you to look at the next verse where I'm going to harp on this morning. These are all the signs of the times. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many, say the love, the love of many will grow cold. And he who endures to the end shall be saved. I want you to look at me, church. In these last days, we all know these things, but if we're not trained in the word of God, we will be uh, susceptible to the traps that the enemy is bringing and unleashing in these last days. And yes, there's war against nations that's happening. And yes, there's earthquakes and the various uh, natural disasters as pointing signs to the Lord's return. But one of the things that the enemy is unleashing in this hour is an onslaught of offense against people, against church members, and against God. In these last days, there have been many people that are offended. The Bible says, in the last days, many will be offended and betray one another. And the, 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 the dangerous thing about the scripture is that if you look up the Greek and that love, the kind of love that God is talking about there is agape love. The only people who possess agape love are who? Church people, he says, in time, in the end times, the agape of many will try to falter. Oh, you're not hearing me this morning. In the end times, there will be a lot of opportunities to be offended with one another, offended with God, offended with leadership, offended with your church, offended with family. Let me tell you something. Offense is not only when something bad happens to you. Sometimes offense comes because you're praying for something and it doesn't happen in your time. Offense sometimes comes because correction happens to you and you don't like the correction and you get offended. And it's a seed. Say a seed. Because a seed is not really a seed. A seed left in its own, it's really a forest. Because if you know anything about those trees, that if you start as a seed and it waters, and through time it brings up a tree and it brings up fruit, and in time that fruit falls to the ground, its seed falls to the ground, it waters again, and a whole other tree rises up from that seed that falls on the ground. So a seed starts really as small, but if a seed is left undealt with, it'll become a forest out of one little seed. And that's the same with bitterness, anger, and, and, and fear, and all these things that try to be in your heart. It starts all small. And really what I want to share this morning is offense always will come. Luke chapter nine, uh, 17 says it is impossible that offense not come. It's impossible. So the question that we have to ask this morning is not, will offense come? The question we have to ask is, when it comes, how will I respond? Because your response to offense in these days will determine your future. Your reaction, your response to offense, someone speaking at you wrong, something that you've held since you were five years old. Come on, somebody. Something you've held on since you were 10 or something that's happened in your workplace. When you allow offense to take root in your life, it is going to do havoc in your spiritual walk with God. I looked up offense in a, in a dictionary, a secular dictionary, and it said emotional response. The word offense is an emotional response. In other words, when people react in offense, usually it's not when they react the godly way. 
Usually when people get offended, it's because they've been hurt and they feel a, a, a right to be offended. Someone has said something to them. They've witnessed something. Your heart and your mind will always be affected what you see with your eyes and what you hear with your ears. Your heart will always be affected. The Bible says that offense, and I know, I know some of you say this, but here's the tricky thing about offense that I want to talk about this morning. Because it's happening all over the body of Christ. It's happening all over the world. People are getting offended left and right, and people are leaving church because they're offended. Oh, come on. Don't get me preaching good now. Uh, offense is not a location problem. It's a heart problem. Amen. Oh, come on, Bishop. Give me five right here, Bishop. Bishop, he knows that because you can leave another church, and you can be offended, and you're going to be offended with that same church because it's not about the pastor. It's not about the leader. It's about your heart. You can move to Africa, have a lust problem in Florida, and still have a lust problem in Africa. Offense is not a location problem. It's a heart problem. You can hop, That's why we have a lot of church hoppers because they're offended at something that somebody said. And they keep on hopping from church to church. And guess what? A year later, they're offended with that pastor. And it could be a million times bigger than this church, a nicer building, and a nicer thing. But let me tell you something. Until you deal with that, it will follow you the rest of your life. It will follow you the rest of your life, and it will affect your children. Don't tell me for one reason, for one second, that sin is just your problem. I'm a youth pastor, so a lot of young people say, well, Pastor George, my sin is my problem. No, it's not. It affects everyone around you. Because when you can't talk to somebody, that means that you're affecting them too. When you have bitterness with somebody, that means you are going to lock the freedom up. Offense is a booby trap. In the, listen, in the Greek, the definition of offense is scandalon. Watch this. Which means a booby trap. And a, here's the thing, though. I want you to hear this. Traps are not effective unless they're camouflaged by the environment. Oh, my, my. Because no one just says, oh, look, there's a trap here. It's the reason why traps are so reason why traps are so effective is because the effectiveness of a trap is camouflaged with the normal environment. And and the reason why many of you don't even know that you're offended is because it's been camouflaged through your upbringing and it's camouflaged through your smiling, has been camouflaged through your leading, has been camouflaged through your gifting. And many of us in the church are oblivious to the fact that we may possibly be offended with one another or with God. Many of us who have been praying for something for a long time, we have a tendency not to say anything, but we will have a little seed against God. And you know what the problem is with a booby trap? Watch this. This is powerful. A booby trap, when you get an animal, first of all, it snaps on them unaware. And it snaps on them, and it brings great pain. But here's the problem with a booby trap. I wish it would just kill you. It doesn't. It stops your progress. Oh, Lord Jesus. It means the animal is no longer continually to be walking in the manner that it used to walk because at one point in its life, it got trapped by this booby trap, and it stopped walking, and it stayed there for the slaughter, and it stays there hurting, but it's not able to move. Do you know what spiritually offense does to your life? It may not kill you right now, but it stops your progress in God. Paul the apostle said, by now you should be teachers. By now, you should be preachers. By now, you should be leading a Bible study. He didn't say that, but I'm just I'm adding on to that. By now, you should be doing this. But you know what? At one time in your life, there is a camouflage, a trap. And watch this. The reason why Satan is so effective in getting people offended because he wants people to focus on their problem. 
The focus no longer is on people. The focus now is on all the wrong that was done to you. And he camouflages it. And you know what I have found, Bishop? I found that offended people will gravitate to other people who are offended so they could justify their offense. Offended people will naturally gravitate to other offended people so they could justify their offense. Oh, they did that to you. They did that to me. I knew that church would do that. Oh, he preaches too long, and he does that to He rebukes me all the time. I know that. The church will find anything to get offended at each other. It's too black in here. It's too white in here. It's too cold in here. It's too hot in here. It's too white in here. It's too loud in here. It's too soft in here. It's too low in here. It's too small in here. It's too big in here. Get over it and serve Jesus. Come on. When you got people in China that are walking three hours to get to a service, we have no excuse to be offended about the air conditioning or the style of music. The church will find anything that we can to get offended at each other. I don't like how he, he didn't speak that in love. That's not your job to, under, to discern that. Your job is to accept the truth out of what, what's spoken out of the mouth. God will deal with whoever later if they didn't speak it in love. But that's not your job to, discern, to, 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 to dissect that. <laughs> Come on, somebody. So offense is rampant in these last days. Jesus made it very clear. He said, you want to take a look at a sign of the last days? Look in the future and see there's going to be a whole bunch of offended Christians. Oh, my God. And that's why even maybe some here in this body have gotten healing because there have been offense. And the enemy has whispered in your ear, it's better to go to another church. Can I say something here? Not, uh, uh, Psalm 92 those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of their God. You cannot flourish if you're not planted. And so how, you know why? You know how the enemy knows why he, you know why he's trying to get you? He's trying to get you not to be planted so you could die. And so what he'll use is a fence so he could, so if he says, okay, I can't get him to go do, do drugs just right now, I'm going to get him offended. If he can't get you to go alcohol right now and go back to the world right now, he'll cause another secret trap called offense. And you know what he'll do? He'll cause you to get offended and you'll go someplace. And let me tell you something. You will be miserable because it follows you all the days of your life. Last night we had a powerful time. I hope I, hope I could share this. But there was a young man that turned to, to, uh, to Bishop and what a beautiful moment that was of restoration because of let me tell you, one of the roots of offense, hear me this, one of the causes of offense is miscommunication. When you think he said or she said something and you take it in, that's why you've got to talk to people. Because if you just, let me tell you one of the biggest lies that the church has ever constructed. Time will heal everything. No, it won't. It'll heal some things, but not everything. If you've got cancer in your body, time will kill you, not heal you. Time does not heal. And a lot of times when we get offended, because we don't like to confront people, don't get me started now, because we don't like to humble ourselves and say, you hurt me, you offended me, you did something, and because we're not willing to go to that person because we're so prideful, we keep it silent and it stays in our life, all, the, all of our lives, and it destroys our calling. It destroys our calling. I have seen callings being obliterated because of people that are offended. Some of you are offended at each other in this church. Some of you are offended at God. Some of you are offended at a family member because you kept praying and they, or they, they, they persecute you. Let me say that for a second. Some of you that are serving God and you have other families that are not serving God, some of you secretly have offense 
towards them. I had to confess years ago that I had offense to my dad because, uh, and to my parents because I, after all these years of praying for them, they still didn't get saved. And, and, and they still kept doing their thing. And you know what? Even though they love me to death and I love them, I had a secret seed of offense and I didn't even know it. And the Lord says, you need to deal with that. How many, how many know that offense is rampant in our hearts right now? You've witnessed a divorce. You witness a abusive relationship. Many women that come out of abusive relationships are highly dealing with this spirit of offense. You've been let down. Hope deferred makes a heart sick. Hope deferred makes a heart sick. And those that are trapped by the enemy are camouflaged because it is always done to you. And that's the problem is when you start looking at you and look at your real condition, you will get free. A true sign of revival is when God introduces you to you. Pride is like bad breath. Everyone knows you have it except you. Pride is like bad breath. Everyone knows you got You know when someone had bad breath. The dude don't even know. They're like, hi, how are you? And you're like. The dude keeps on talking, but you're like. You know, the dude thinks you, he's feeling the anointing off of you. You're like. Mm. Like, no, that's so anointing. That's bad breath. But pride is that way. <laughs> pride is that way. Pride. <laughs> Pride makes you think, watch this, watch this, watch this, yes, I'm talking to you. Pride makes you think it's the other person's fault. He needs it, not me. He needs this message right here. I, I preach all the time. I see people going like this. No, 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 do this to you. <laughs> do this. Stop pointing the other finger and start realizing that maybe you have a problem too. Hello? Maybe, God forbid, maybe the problem is with you. <laughs> Say Offense. Say offense. offense. One more time. Say offense. offense. And the church will be offended because of the fact that they have allowed the seed here in Matthew 24 to get to a place of spiritual ruin. Whatever happened to blessed, bless those who curse you and pray for them that spitefully use you. Whatever happened to that? I admit that's not an easy thing to do. I'm going to be the first one to say that. But let me tell you, nevertheless, God says you need to forgive and you need to bless those who hurt you. I didn't write the book. God did. And the Holy Spirit wants to highlight this issue this morning. Offense is a hidden trap. Say a trap. It's a trap that many of us, even today as I'm speaking, don't know that you're in. But I'm asking you to examine yourself. And let me tell you, if you are one of these analytical people that goes around with a microscope seeing all the defects of leadership, you need to take that log out of your eye and, 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 and before you move that little plank off of leadership. <laughs> if all you're doing is walking around with a big old telescope and saying, hey, look, I see all the flaws of faith, home, and fellowship. They should have this, the hot program. They should have this. Listen, if you see a problem, be the solution. I see people all the time tell, well, you know, Pastor George, I think we should have this and we should have this. I say, great, why don't you start that? Hello? It's time for us to stop being offended at everybody else and start looking at what we're not doing. Don't let the pastor do everything that your job is called to do. Well, how, good, how long would you last in your job if you did everything that your boss told you to do? I mean, if your boss did everything that your boss told you to do. You wouldn't last very long. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 18. Go with me in Proverbs 18. I'm going to give you some scriptures. Is that all right? How many getting something out of this this morning? 
this is prophetic for this hour, for this time, and possibly for this, for this people. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19. I want you to see some things about offense here this morning. If you like this, say amen. amen. Proverbs 18, verse 19 says this. Look at verse 19. Proverbs 18, verse 19. Are you ready? Are you ready? A brother offended. Say a brother offended. Is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. Well, that doesn't make sense unless you know what a strong city is. Watch this. A strong city was a big fortress that was surrounded by huge walls. A a, a little city that was surrounded by huge, enormous walls. So high that no one can get in. But no one could get out either. What the Bible was trying to describe about an offended brother or offended sister is that offended brother will be a Christian that slowly begins to construct walls on their heart. Mm. Offended brother and offended sister is one who slowly becomes uh, protective of hurt. And many of us who've been hurt, what do we do? We put up walls so that why? So we won't get hurt. A rejected person will reject others so they won't get rejected. It's just a natural inclination. So what God is trying to highlight to you is this. Many of us who are offended, no one could hurt you anymore because you put these walls. But you know what? You can never get out of that prison because you've built walls. It's time to let the walls down. He said a brother offended is harder to win. It's harder to win an offended person than to get into that fortress of a, of a strong city. Wow. And contentions are like a bars of a castle. You're contending. Uh, when you're contending with an offended person, you, you have to fast and pray to break through because everything that you say to them thinks that you're talking about them. Well, what are you talking about? You think I'm backsliding? There's some, there's some times where I'll talk, talk to people and say, hey, in love. Hey, brother, I, I just haven't seen you in church in a long time. I just, what are you trying to say? You're trying to say I'm backsliding? I'm doing good. What are you talking about? I'm just asking you where you've been. I haven't seen you in two weeks. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to judge me. By the way, can I just tell you a little secret about judging? Because a lot of Christians misquote that. Well, you know, the Bible says not to judge. First Corinthians chapter 5 says, judge those who are in the house. Yes. He goes, he goes uh, God's going to judge those out the house. He goes, when somebody was uh, named a brother and they're in sexual fornication, don't even eat with a man. Don't even eat with a person. Don't let me start that. That's a whole other sermon right there. But let me tell you something. We have a right to judge righteously the fruit of others. So it's time that when we are offended by what we have bought. Some of the youth, you don't know this, but maybe you're offended at your parents. You're offended at a seed that happened. Some of your parents, some of you adults, you're offended of some things that happened and you have not released it fully. You have said it in your mind, but you have not released it fully. Why? Because it's a trap. It's a scandal. It's a camouflage. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city and the contentions like a bars of a castle. Let me tell you something. What offense will do to a people, listen, this is, this is powerful. What offense will do to a people, it will naturally gravitate you to isolation. It will, it will gravitate you to loss of fellowship with the body. When you're offended, you will be cold to people. You will be cold to your family. You will be cold to your leaders. When you're offended and you don't even know it, it's all about how can I get my thing, my thing, my way, my vision, my, listen, two visions equals division. We need to have one vision in this house. Whatever the vision with Bishop Jason, 
and Pastor Elaine, you follow that vision. There's no other vision. Because two visions equals divisions. And just because you may think, listen, listen, listen. I said this yesterday. Submission doesn't begin unless you disagree with something. With true submission anyways. God wants the body of Christ to be healed from this wicked secret that is being onslaught from the enemy called the seed of offense. Say amen. I remember years ago reading this book, and by the way, this message is so dear to my heart because uh, back in the 90s, and I've only spoken this a couple of times, back in the 90s I heard a message that changed my life forever. And I used to be easily offended. You know, people that are sensitive in the spirit, sometimes they'll be easily offended because I wanted, and I didn't know this, that I needed a lot of affirmation in my life. And because I didn't get that from people that were just really being themselves, I was offended by everybody that didn't give me affirmation. And anybody know what I'm talking about? When I just wanted my, my thing to flourish and my idea to be heard. And I remember getting so rocked by the message of Overcoming offense that I vowed, I said, one day, said, I want to be able to bring this to the body of Christ. And I remember years ago, I read a story about, about a pastor who the Lord spoke. Now watch, this, I'm going to give you an example here. The Lord could speak to you about doing something, and God will never, I'm going to pause and say this. God will never tell you to do something that directly, directly overcomes his word and overcomes the spiritual authority in your life. God will never say, well, Bishop, you're just off, and the Lord just told me to, to tell you that. I mean, there's a, there's a time that you could talk about that, but you have to be in the right thing. There's, there's a time where this pastor had a revelation of, of, of small groups, and I'm not going to get a lot to it. But he had a revelation of small groups. God spoke to him, and he said, I'm going to go do this, and we're going to save a whole bunch of people, and our, our, our city is going to be turned upside down, and our church is going to come, and we're going to have revival. And the, the senior pastor goes, well, the vision of this church is not to have small groups. And the other pastor goes on staff, goes, you, you, don't, no, no, you don't understand. This is going to shake like this region, and we're going to have so many souls come in. The Lord spoke to me. The vision of this house is not to do this. Finally, after the third time, he just went away. He got angry for six months. Listen to this. Because he didn't like the instruction of his leader, of his pastor, you know what happened? He sat in that church, and for six months, it was, watch this. We say this a lot. I ain't getting fed anymore. When it was the same messages that was feeding him before, all heaven closed because of offense. Let me tell you a secret. All of heaven will close over your life because of offense. Revelations will stop. You will become dry. Offense will grip you, and it will be a cancerous sore to your spiritual body. He later came to a realization, I need to do something about this because I'm dying spiritually. He humbled himself. He came to his pastor of a mega, mega church. And he came to his pastor and he said, I want you to forgive me. Now listen, a lot of people that have offended you have no clue that they have offended you. So he goes, sorry for what? He goes, you don't know this, but I have been, you don't know this, but I have been critical of you. And I have been angry at you because of something you said to me that I didn't want to hear six months ago. And my life has been dry to the core. And I ask you to forgive me. When he asked for forgiveness from that offense, the Lord broke in and he sat in the same chair in the same pew and all of heaven opened up again. Come on, say amen. All of heaven opened up again. But it will lead you, offense will lead you into isolation, into a a time of separation from the body of Christ. Look at Proverbs 18 again, but look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. Look at verse 1. 
New King James Version. That's my version. And the other versions will uh, say something differently. But if you tell my leaders, what is PG's favorite, my old leaders, my favorite, favorite scripture, they will say Proverbs 18, verse 1. I, I don't even have to look at it to, to, to speak it, but I want you to listen. Here's what offense does. Are you ready? A man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire, and rages against all wise counsel. A brother offended seeks his own desire and rages against wise counsel. You know what a brother offended or a sister offended do? They will reject wise counsel and say that that's from the devil. They will reject wise counsel and convince themselves that they're the right one. You know what deception is? You know what my definition of deception is? Believing that you're 100% right, yet 100% wrong. No one comes up to someone, hey, Pastor Chad, how you doing? I'm deceived. Could you pray for me? (laughs) No, you actually think that you're right. You're like, no, I'm I'm right, you're wrong. Deception is believing you are 100% right, yet 100% wrong. That's deception. The problem with deception is like offense. No one knows that they're deceived until it's too late. No one knows that they're offended and they're, until they have realized the ruin that has come into the, oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. How, many, how can we relate to this? How many can relate to this this morning? Wave your hands at me high. How many can relate to what I'm saying? Proverbs 18, verse 1. A man who isolates himself rages against all wise counsel and seeks his own desire. There, are t- there was a time when John the Baptist came to um, the Jordan River. And you all know this story. John the Baptist came to the Jordan River, and he was uh, foretold that he was going to uh, get to a place where he was, for 30 years of his life, could you imagine uh, preparing yourself for 30 years for having a six to nine months ministry? <laughs> could you imagine that? And so he's preparing all his life, and then all of a sudden, uh, he, here's his time. Here's his ministry. Here's his moment. Watch this. You're going to get something. Here's John the Baptist's moment. He's been waiting all his life. He's been training all his life. He's been preaching repentance. People are coming to repentance by left and right. All of a sudden, the moment comes. His defining, by the way, we all have a defining moment. His defining moment comes. Jesus comes up. Now watch. And he comes up and he baptizes Jesus. You know the story. And as he baptizes Jesus, the, the, there's, a, there's a, a voice that says, here is my Beloved son, who I am well pleased. And he knew that that was the son of God. Do you follow me? He didn't say, well, I'm just going to baptize this guy. Oh, look, wow, there's a dove. There's a patrol. That's great. Who are you? No. He knew. I'm getting somewhere with this. He knew his duty. Watch this. Watch. This is for you. He knew his responsibility. He knew his calling. He knew my purpose in life right now is to prepare the way of the Lord, and I need to baptize Jesus. That's one of my main callings right now. He baptized Jesus, and all of a sudden he's preaching, and they arrest him. Watch this. Watch this. And they arrest him, and he gets put to jail. Sometimes when you're praying for things and bad things happen, we get offended at God. And we have spiritual amnesia, like we forgot everything that we learned. And so here is John the Baptist, who maybe a couple of months ago just baptized the Son of God, saw the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove coming down, and he told his disciples, hey, why don't you go back to Jesus and ask him if he's the one, or is there another? And I love Bishop Jesus' response. He goes, tell that cat this. Tell him the lame walk the blind see, the gospel is preached to the poor. Oh, 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 oh. One, more, one more thing. Blessed are those who are not offended of me. That's what he said. 
Jesus perceived that John the Baptist was in a situation that he knew that Jesus was not going to save the day. He was going to be martyred for the cause of Christ. And, and oh, my, I feel the Holy Ghost here. And, and John the Baptist was now starting to forget the very person that he baptized because he was offended at his situation that didn't come his way. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, oh, tell John. Blessed are those who are not offended of me because he wanted to send him a message. Don't get offended because you're in prison. I'm here to tell you that some of you are doing the right things and you may be in a spiritual prison. Some of you are going, doing the right thing. You're walking with God and you may have un tropezo, a, a little trap in your walk. You may be going through a financial situation right now and you've been tithing. But that does not mean that God has forgotten you. That does not mean that it's your right to get offended of God. God knows. Listen, listen, listen to me. When Daniel was in the lion's den, I, I mean, most Christians think like, well, you know what? God's just going to show up any moment and save the, day, uh, day, save the day. You know what the Bible says? Those who desire to live godly shall suffer persecution. My question is, do you desire to live godly? Get ready for persecution. Those who desire to live godly shall suffer persecution. Here's Daniel. And I can imagine. I, I like to imagine things. Bishop, Bishop, he's in there. He's like, surely my God, he's going he to do something. He's going to cause like a little supernatural net so that I'll, I'll just bounce off that, that pit that they're going to throw me in. I know it. He's going to do something great. And I know there's lions in there, but I'm not giving in there. <laughs> he got thrown in the lion's den. But you know what happened when he got there? It took for him to actually be thrown in the lion's den for God to come in supernaturally. How about Joseph? Look at, look at Joseph's life. If we were evaluate our lives by Joseph, many of us, if we were Joseph, we would leave the church. This church would be empty. Joseph was promised by the Father. How many have had a promise, a prophetic word over your life? Come on. He had a promise when he was 17 years old that there was, that, you know, his, 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 the moon and the stars are going to bow down to him symbolically, his brothers and his mom and dad. And he's like, you know what? I don't like this dreamer. To put a long story short, they sold Joseph into a slave. His own brothers, watch this, betrayed him. His own brothers betrayed this guy, and he was living righteously. Wherever happened to bad things happen to bad people? No, bad things don't happen to bad people. Happen to good people too. He got thrown in prison. Sorry, he was a slave. If you know anything about a slave, you can't marry anybody. You have to be a slave for the rest of your life. So then when he's doing the right thing, say the right thing. Come on, say the right thing. In the midst of doing the right thing, he's fleeing sexual fornication like the Bible commands. And by the way, let me add this. Joseph was a strong, handsome in his mid-20s when this happened. He wasn't a dead old fogey. No, no, no. I, I'm just being serious. It wasn't like he like, didn't have the... No, he was at the prime of his life. And a woman secretly, not publicly, by themselves, when it was very easy to give in to temptation and nobody would know about it. She kept saying, lie with me, lie with me, lie with me. And he said, no, I cannot do this for my God. Now, already, he was already battling offense because his family sold him. And he's probably thinking, God, why did you allow this? Oh, I feel that from God. Some of you are saying, if you love me, why did you allow this? And here is Joseph not complaining. He is in this slavery. Now, times two, he's fleeing sexual fornication. He's actually being obedient to God. And Potiphar's wife sells him and accuses him of rape. He goes to prison. Where's God? Gets into prison. And all of a sudden, while he's in prison, he interprets this dream to this dude. And this dude said, I promise, if you just interpret this dream, I will remember you when I get out. The dude gets out, totally forgets him. What's my point? It took 13 years. Listen to me. I'm going to say something profound. 
If you could play so we if we could get ready, please. It took 13 years from the time the prophecy came to Joseph to the time he came to prominence. And you know what I believe? This is my belief. God had to work in Joseph for 12 to 13 years. Watch, watch, watch. Because he knew if God let Joseph out before that tenure, he would go back with rage and get vengeance because of the offense that happened. Watch. And would kill his brothers by the way which the seed of David came through. I mean, Jesus came through. So he would kill the very seed. Jesus, God's like, I have a bigger plan. You're going to go through these dry seasons and offense, but I have a bigger plan. It's because you, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. You are going to be a key to get your family saved when there's a severe famine. You, if you endure this dark time and not be offended, Joseph, you will get to a place where you will be a salvational light to your whole entire family. Don't get offended, Joseph. And I could imagine, this is just my imagination, Joseph pacing in the jail cell saying, that must not have been a dream by God. See, there are sometimes when we get offended and we things don't go our way that we actually start questioning. I've done it myself. Maybe that wasn't God. Maybe it was just I ate too much ice cream and I, and I, and I dreamed something that the stars were coming down and the moon were coming down. Maybe that wasn't from God. But I hear the Lord saying, do you remember what I spoke to you when you were 17, Joseph? Do you still remember that when you're in the jail cell? Do you still remember when you were a little boy and you dreamed like preaching and I spoke to you and all this junk happened? Do you remember that it was me that still spoke that to you? Do you remember when you were in that prison cell and you were trying to flee sexual fornication, how my spirit was on you and you fled it and even though you got accused, I was still there, Joseph. Don't get offended. It took 13 years. 13 years. For Joseph's character, in my opinion, to be built to the character of Christ, that he can love the very people who sold him into slavery. 13 years. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine going 13 years battling with hatred, offense, someone did you wrong? But there's a purpose. Back in the day before there was digital cameras, you know, back in me and Bishop's day and Pastor Roberts, we actually had cameras that had film. Glory to God. I actually listened to tapes. <gasps> the young people are like, what's that? <laughs> you, know how they would, you know how they would process the film? In a dark room. In a dark place. Is where the image started to be cultivated. Come on, somebody. In that dark hour, in that dark place, they would put that film in the water and they would put it over the water. And all of a sudden, that person that was in that film room slowly could begin to see the image being constructed was already done in the light. And as they began to do it, in the dark place mixed with water, see, in the dark place is where you need the word. You will wash them with the water of the word. So you mingle in your dark place to get to, to a place where you choose to trust the Lord even in your darkest hour. You know what's going to happen? The picture of your future is going to say, here it is. Do you know that there's times where you have signs where you're driving and there's signs. Uh, and I saw it in Bishop's uh, Facebook. He's coming out there and he's saying, over here, there's, there's going to be the room. And over here is going to be that kitchen. Over here is going to be that stadium. 
all, all this stuff, right? But there's nothing there. But he sees it. There's nothing there, but he sees it. And there's times where you drive by a facility that says, big old sign, coming to a theater near you or coming to a city near you. Fake Dome of Fellowship. And it's full of rocks and gravel and stone and ugliness. But I'm here to tell you, when you look at that sign, it already has a painted picture of what the thing is going to be, look like when it's not even constructed. And God says, in your life, you may have rocks and soil, but I got the finished picture of what your destiny is going to look like if you just not be offended. Say offense. There's two things that will gravitate from offense. Matthew 24. Let's turn to that last and I'll close. Slip up your hands right now for the Lord. Restoration is happening even now. Some people are being convicted to go to people. They're, I'm telling you, even in this church, I want you, to, there may, may be some of you, you need to run to that brother or sister you haven't talked to in a while. You need to say to your pastor, I appreciate you. I've talked bad about you. Sorry, forgive me. I, I'm sorry, I wanted your position. I got jealous of you. Get things right this morning. There's, I can sum up offended people in three categories. Look at me. In three categories, I can sum up offended people. You're either in three categories if you're offended. Number one, you've genuinely been hurt by somebody. doesn't give you a right to be offended, but that is a response of offense. The second category of offended people is when you think you've been hurt, but it's really an issue of pride and, and, and submission in your heart. Are you ready for the third one? The third type of people who are offended is when truth is spoken. Either you've been naturally offended and hurt. Either you think that you're offended and you're not because it's an issue of submission. Or truth spoke and you got offended for that truth. It happened to Jesus. Jesus offended the Pharisees everywhere he went. Not on purpose. He just said, I am the son of God. And then in John chapter 6, he's coming in there. And he is a perfect time for Jesus to let go and do a truce and not be so prophetic. And here he is. All the palms are coming up. And in John chapter 6, he goes, verily, verily, I say to you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And he, it's not like he said, hey, guys, what I'm about to say is just spiritual, so chill out. He didn't even say anything to his disciples. What's up? You got to eat my flesh. You got to drink my blood. You know what the people said? They got offended. They said, oh, that dude is a cannibal. I'm leaving. I'm done. I'm done. It's over. And you know what Jesus did? He just stood there. Watch this. Jesus will purposely offend you to reveal your heart. Oh, my God. He will purposely offend you to reveal your heart. And Jesus looked at the disciples. Are you going to leave too? Does this offend you? And Peter's like, but, 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 you, I, I can't go anywhere. You, uh, you, you, you're the son of God. You're the one of the living Christ. Then he says, let me tell you the truth now. My word is spirit. My flesh is spirit. My blood is spirit. That's what I'm talking about, Peter. I did that on purpose to see if you would be offended with what I say. Truth will offend you. When someone tells you you're in rebellion, that offends people. When someone says you're in sin, you need to stop backbiting. That offends the religious spirit. One of the toughest spirits to cast out is a religious spirit because it thinks it's from God. You can't cast out the Holy Ghost. No, you don't have the Holy Ghost in that moment. It's about knocking away your pride. In Matthew 24, I'll close with this. 
verse 10. There's two progressions that evolve when someone's offended. Are you getting something this morning? I said, are you getting something this morning? Matthew, oh yes, Lord. The singers could come up, please. Matthew 24. Mm. Matthew 24, verse 10. Two progressions. Say two. Say two progressions or two manifestations that it will evolve. Say that. That will evolve once I am offended. Look at verse 24, I mean verse 10, and I'll break it down. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. The two progressions of offense are betrayal and hatred. Betrayal will first, you first will feel, every offended person will first feel betrayed at one point. And in time, if that's not dealt with, it will evolve into hatred. The Bible says that many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. I am here to tell you today, do not allow yourself to be offended at the things that people have done to you. Do not allow yourself to be offended because you may be like Joseph and you may be in a spiritual prison and you're doing everything right. You're tithing and you're going to church and you're, and you're giving and you're praying and you're fasting and you're weeping and you're still in that prison. Do not get offended. It's a booby trap from the enemy to get you to stay in that anger. It's called you to stay in that depression. By the way, let me say something. Most people that I've met that are depressed are, are oppressed and depressed because of some offense that happened to their life. It's not like they're just walking in the park and all of a sudden, oh, nobody knows the troubles I've been. No, when they're walking in the park, that's not when it comes. It comes when something has been done that they have been laboring for years and it's not done their way. I'm here to tell you, God is not Burger King. You can't get things your way all the time. And just because, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost, Bishop. I feel the Holy Spirit right now. There's people right now that are wiping tears. You know why? Because God is dealing with offense. He is dealing not just by what, you, what others have done to you, but maybe some of you need to repent this morning because you've offended others. Maybe you're the one who offended others in your pride and your anger and your hurt, and you have not realized that you've hurt many people. It's time today that you get right with God. Lift up your hands. Stand up to your feet right now. Stand up to your feet. Oh, roba kashata. Oh, I came here.